0: Welcome to the Estetible Travel Podcast, hosted by Nicolette Lapse. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 21 of the Sustainable Travel Podcast. Today I got Joe. Would you like to introduce yourself, Joe? Yes, sure. Hi everyone, and thanks so much
1: Nicholas for having me on the podcast today. Um My name's Joanna Garvin and I am a wheelchair user. I live with cerebral palsy and I'm also, I uh, work at Create New South Wales as a comms officer and I also do some filmmaking on the side and I love to travel whenever I can.
0: Yeah. So let's start off with your airport experience. So can you talk through going for airport security and a bit about the airline inconsistency in policy.
1: Yep. Um. So, I use a um power assist chair often to get around, and I always know that whenever I'm traveling, I will often have to fight or have some pretty heated discussions with airlines. Um about um, my battery that I use for my chair because um, Qantas and um, well, different airlines in general, they have different policies about uh, where batteries battery should be stored. So I often um, try and get um, to the airport as early as I possibly can, because I know that I will have to have a discussion about where my battery for my chair will be stored. Um, and I've often... Um, had to have very heated conversations about um, where it will be stored. Like I have had to say, I'd like it um, in my carry-on luggage, but some people want it in the hold. So it's often quite um, annoying and frustrating that it's not a straightforward process um, when I'm going flying. But um, I think I've just learned to be resilient and um, often, just had in the back of my mind what I would say to explain to them um, about my access needs and um, about the battery and um, where I think it would be best stored, but also um, just to let it go um, if um, an airline disagrees with me because I just want to fly, so it can be quite difficult sometimes.
0: Yeah, so would you like to stay Instead of an airline making policy, it become a government stand regulation or, or law and make it standard for all the, the airlines.
1: Yeah, I think that would, that would be great because it would just make it more straightforward and um less stressful and would mean that um you know it was just one less thing that you would have to think about before you travel, just like everybody else. Like and be a bit more spontaneous. That, that would be fantastic. Um, and just, I think um, it would be great if um, more airlines gave their staff um, disability awareness training and just understanding of the different sorts of equipment that people use when they travel. Um, because I feel like often when I go to an airport and I'm having those sorts of conversations, you are having to educate people about the equipment that you use, and it can be quite frustrating because you feel like a broken record.
0: Yeah. So, would you like to talk a bit about your seven continent marathon? Yeah. Um. So,
1: in 2018, I was given the opportunity to um go on a seven continent marathon over seven days <laughs> with uh two um have uh, two friends um, to raise money for the Cerebral Palsy Alliance and we went around, um, we flew to each of the seven continents um, over seven days, which was quite crazy, um, but it was just great to um, see different places and also get the opportunity to have, um, uh, be on a chartered uh, flight. But, interestingly I found that um my two friends they really got um an insight in what it's like traveling for me because you know you have to do a lot of planning a lot of explaining about um like I mentioned before my lithium battery that I use for my chair so it was quite eye-opening for them um at that sort of experience which was great and yeah I just I loved it I was exhausted by the end of it but it was really worth yeah. it and um, just seeing those different places right. and experiencing it with all the other marathon runners.
0: Yeah, yeah. and did you see a different between eight continent? in, a did different?
1: yeah um, especially just in terms of the access like um, I remember um, when we went to South America to board the plane, I had to go into a catering truck and the catering truck had bullet holes um, on it. So that was quite um, an experience for me. Um, And just, um, I remember when we, because we went to, the first um, location we went to was Antarctica and that was really interesting because I had to be carried down the stairs from the plane into my chair. And that was um, really interesting, just putting my trust in other people. And also realising at that point that because I wasn't sure what the access would be like in each continent, that I would have to put my trust in other people um, to get from A to B.
0: Yeah. And then can you talk a bit about your exchange visit in the US?
1: Yeah, Um. so when I was at um, university at Notre Dame, I really wanted to... Do an exchange overseas, and I was really fortunate in that um, early on when I was starting to think about it, I contacted our um, exchange studies program advisor, and she told me that I should really think about studying in the U.S. because it had great access for people living with disabilities, um, and. I also had a great interest in film and um, another lecturer of mine um, suggested that the US would be the best place to go to. Um, so um, I applied to study in Minnesota um, um, for five months at this place called um, St Benedict St John's, Minnesota and it was really fantastic because it, gave me a real insight into college life and the access was fantastic like I didn't have to think about it like my room was all set up with an accessible bathroom and um it just made things really smooth and exciting for me
0: yeah and did you see in general in public a different in accessibility from Australia to the US yeah
1: I I think so like I think um there was definitely um a, a um, real sense of people being aware of um people's access needs um and just um, being conscious of that um you know which was interesting and um, just even um having an accessible bus all the time on campus which was really great um so yeah there was definitely a People were very aware of um, having accessible um, accommodation and things like that. So yeah, yeah, it's great.
0: Yeah, because yeah, America is more a developed nation. It should be ahead. Yeah, developing nation.
1: You would hope so. Yeah. You would hope so. Yeah, it definitely was.
0: And have you done any other international trouble? A bit on that.
1: Um I just um I've been to New York as well and um Memphis because I'm a huge Elvis fan and I'm very happy to say that Gracelands is very accessible for a wheelchair, yeah. which was a great highlight for me. Um and I just I just love to travel around um Australia and I'm actually I'm um, going to New Zealand in two weeks, which will be exciting for my cousin's wedding. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because it'll be the first place I've travelled to since COVID hit. So that'll be great. Um, But yeah, I'm always looking um, to travel to different places because I think it can really um, broaden your insights into the world and just um you get to meet different people. And I think also as a person with a disability, it really gives you an opportunity to um, think outside the box and um, try to be um, as practical and problem-solve as much as you can uh, when you're travelling.
0: Yeah. So how do you um, deal with the planning process when you're planning a trip like you said you don't think to deal in in two week time?
1: Yeah, I have a great travel agent. Um, who knows a lot about um, accessible accommodation. And also um, my mum helps me a lot with organising different accommodation. And I think also just having experiences myself um, in travel, I know what I need. And so I'm able to advocate for myself if there is an issue with any sort of accommodation I'm having, um, I, I'm staying in as well. But I think, I guess, um, just having a great travel agent really helps. And um, also just um, thinking through different scenarios uh, before I travel and um, trying to communicate with as many people as I possibly can um, whether that be hotel staff or just my family, um, just to get as much information as I can before I travel.
0: Yeah. Um, what do you consider before you're booking accommodation?
1: Oh, just mainly that the accommodation I book, I hope that um, it will have a, a wheelchair accessible bathroom. That's a big one, um, or just be wheelchair accessible. But I um I can't tell you how many times I've inquired about um different accessible accommodation, and people said, "Oh yes, it's accessible, but there's only two steps." But that's fine. So I feel like you're often having to have conversations about what accessible actually is. Um, but yeah, it's um I just look at it as a way to talk to people and educate them, and you know. Just be aware of the fact that people may not have the level of awareness um that people in your life have. Um but that's okay.
0: Yeah. Well I also hear from other wheelchair users from pure episodes on the podcast that they don't they don't the bark when it's but it's not big enough for their wheelchair yeah. to go around. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I have that too, yeah quite
0: yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um and then for a or cafe record, what do you consider before you don't do any of a cafe report or trapping?
1: I I often I um I find it really interesting um because when I when I go to a, a new restaurant or something, I'm often calling up the restaurant before and asking them, are you real accessible? And um, it's, again, it's interesting what people would constitute as being accessible. Um, usually they are accessible, but sometimes, like, I'll find that the bathroom's too small or whatever. Um, so I I will go to a new restaurant um, thinking, like, um, I don't know if I'll be able to use the bathroom, so I'll just be aware of the fact that I probably won't be able to drink as much as I usually would um, um, just in general because, like, I I don't want to have to be desperate to go to the bathroom, so I, I often keep that in mind. Or I just love the fact um I like sometimes I find some people leave it up to me to check that um a cafe is accessible which is fine but I love the fact um that often my friends will um, take it upon themselves to check if um, a cafe is wheelchair accessible uh, which I I really love because I'm like you've you've thought about me um but um I, I also think that if I haven't been to a new cafe um, before, I think I'll just go, try and go with an open mind because I feel like if you don't do that, um, your life can be very small. So it it can also be quite an interesting experience going to a new cafe.
0: Well. Yeah. Yeah. So basically being proactive instead of yeah. reactive. Reactive.
1: Um, yeah. And just yeah. thinking, well, if, if the bathroom isn't accessible, how can I deal with that? Can I ask a friend to help me? Can I find somewhere else to go? Because I don't I don't want to miss out on an opportunity if, if something presents itself, like going to a new cafe. You know, I'm I I love going to cafes or restaurants, you know. One of my favorite things to do. So yeah, exactly. Just being proactive.
0: Yeah. And yeah, know, I've been to some cafe where where I had someone with a wheelchair with me and basically the lift, you can do a lift up, but some some of them need someone else with them to help them get in and out of the lift. Yeah,
1: because sometimes lifts can be really narrow and that makes it really hard.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and you can't have anyone else in them. Yeah, no. And make it hard to turn it around and a bit no, no. Um, and then how do you do, um, the method travel? You-
1: yeah, yeah. Um, I, I love to go to the Australian Open every year with my family to Melbourne, and that's great. Um, again, I think sometimes I have the same sorts of issues where. I have to explain each time I fly to Melbourne uh, to different airline crew um, about my uh, battery on my chair. So that can be quite difficult. And I remember um, one year having my um, chair left in Melbourne for some reason um, and having to wait for it. So I think um, both... uh, local and international travel have has challenges but it it hasn't stopped me I think again it's just being proactive and trying to problem solve so I think I I, I just take any chance I can to jump on a plane really
0: <laughs> yeah I bet uh, a frame open to be quite accessible.
1: yeah it is which is great it's really great um, yeah. and um it's just really good to get around and also i i've got to say too when i do travel internationally um i find use um the majority of the time because i you know like everybody else i need to go to the bathroom on a plane and um airline crew are really helpful with that because they um get me an aisle chair and i can use that to go to the bathroom and also to board a plane like, there have been no uh, issues with that, so they've been really great with that. So that's that's a really positive experience. Um, and also, um, they're usually more than happy to help me when I'm on the um, plane, so that's really fantastic um, because yeah. I know that, you know, if I need help, they're there. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And have you seen any culture different? in added to toward disability in different places around the world?
1: Um I think um it's all it's all pretty similar. I guess it's just um just in general people the different interactions you have with people on a daily basis. Like sometimes you get you can get really random questions just when you're going about your day. Um, You know, like um, people will just come up to me and say, I hope you don't mind me asking, um, but uh, why are you in a chair? And sometimes I'll be happy to answer them and other days I'm just like, I'm just getting on with my day right now. I don't really want to talk about why I'm in a chair. So I think it's just not so much a difference. Uh, internationally or nationally it's just um the different interactions you have with people on a daily basis and um you know i think i i try and just have a positive attitude around it like i remember as a kid i used to be really self-conscious when people used to stare at me um and and sometimes i can be uh still um subconscious of that but um self-conscious of that but um I think I've just kind of learned to just kind of smile and wave. Um, so I think it's just interesting the sorts of interactions, and I'm sure your other listeners can, listeners can relate, but the interactions you have on a daily basis as a person with a disability, sometimes they can be really lovely and sometimes they can be really awful. So, Yeah.
0: Yeah yeah, because I had a bit of a meet with bump on different people depending on different countries. Yeah. Yeah, that you have a good experience throughout. Um, do you have anything else you would like to add on? Uh
1: I just think um if you have any listeners out there um who want to travel and who Uh, live with a disability I just say go for it like um, you know I've always uh, my parents um, brought me up to know that if I wanted to do something badly enough I could do it and travel is one of those things and I'd say the same things um, to your listeners like if you wanted to travel somewhere badly enough um, you can find a way I know that there are lots of travel agents out there that can help and it's just like someone said to me recently just pick up the phone and um you can get as much information as you possibly can about um different um accessible accommodation and i think it's just a great way to see the world and why not and especially now since the world's opening up again um i know flights are expensive but hopefully they won't be there um for too long but yeah i just say to your listeners um anyone thinking of um traveling um Anytime soon, go for
0: it. Yeah, they're basically just fighting through the foot barrier. And yeah. once you get through it, then.
1: Yeah, the self doubt, like just push yeah. through that self doubt.
0: Uh,
1: yeah.
0: So yeah. Uh, then to wrap it up now, so thank you for coming on to the Deathable Trouble podcast.
1: Oh, thanks so much, Nicholas, for having me. It's been great having a chat.
0: You have been listening to the travel travel podcast, you can follow Nicholas on his Instagram page, Nlachu Twenty.